Welcome to the What's Next podcast. On today's episode, Mike and I sit down with my sister, Alison Keenapple, and chat in depth about her journey as a personal support worker. What the day in the life of a PSW really looks like. We openly discuss the difficult times she had to endure on this journey, and we ask the final question, what's next? So if you're ready, buckle up and let's go. We just wanted to uh, say thanks for coming on. It's uh, we're, we're looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we want uh, uh-huh. we just want to uh, we want to know about you. The whole premise of the podcast uh, comes from just mm-hmm. the aspect of the name, right, Mike? What's next? Absolutely, because uh, we've all got right. a, uh, a you know from from the time that we step onto this planet or fall out onto this planet, whatever you want to <laughs> call it, uh, we're here, and then we've got a journey from that day. Until we where we are today, and then we'd like to ask the question as to what's next. So yeah, um, yeah, and, and, and again, I think uh, having these guests on, like yourself, Allison, the nice thing is, as Brian have always said, our stories connect us to to other people, and we, and we always think we're we're the only ones going through something, or we're the only ones in a situation, or the only ones that have found success in certain areas. And but there's. There's just something that somebody usually connects to on our podcast that says, you know what, that's me. I'm not, I'm not alone. Right. Um, that that's my story too, and it's uh, and I think that more than anything, that's why Brian and I got together is as we wanted to because telling your story first off starts the healing, but it also it also opens up somebody else's um, door to say, you know what, that's me too. So I really appreciate you being here, and and uh, yeah, excited to. Uh, to have a conversation with you. There you go. There you go. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> she's well, going, as long oh, as, uh, as, oh, long as she, yeah, she's like, oh boy, what the hell have I got myself nope. into here? <laughs> I'm going to uh, just let everybody know as we uh, step into this thing that uh, uh, you're my sister. You've been my sister uh, since you were born, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. If I got that right. And do not uh, say how many, don't say how many... <laughs> I was going to say, I thought he was actually going to go and say, say how many how, years yeah. that's been. I was thought, no. he's not going to go there. Oh, shit, no, you don't go there. You, <laughs> no. don't, you don't say stuff like that. Not the yeah, sisters. No, yeah. But, no. Uh, no, thanks for coming on. So let's let's learn a little bit about you. You know this counterpart of mine sitting over here, Mr. Mike Hectus. Glad to have you on, Allison. Yes. And uh, yeah, nice. let's uh, let's just learn about you. Let's, let's figure out, uh, uh, you know, how you got from, from day one. Uh, in, in a little <laughs> bit of a synopsis, a little bit of one, a little bit of your background, your drive. Now we, you know, uh, just to let everybody know out there, you, uh, you're, a, you're a personal support worker. Um, that's an amazing job. A lot of people, yes. uh, I guess if I'm being honest here, and maybe you can clarify for a minute, a lot of people don't know what the hell you guys do. Uh, they don't understand and they really don't appreciate it. Yeah. I think that's the biggest right. one. But uh, let's just find out uh, how the hell you got to deciding that you wanted to be a personal support worker. Sure. (laughs) Well, um, I guess I've been exposed to the medical field for a while as having you as my brother working in that department as well. And I have other family members there. So um, I actually uh, ended up getting my RPN and working at that for a little while and then i had my two kids so i was fortunate enough with my husband's business to be able to stay at home and raise my kids which was an absolutely amazing thing that i was able to do so 
um, in that process, I sort of lost my RPN license and uh, to relicense it, they wanted me to do all kinds of clinical hours that was going to take me away from home. And of course, that was going to be free and I couldn't afford to quite do that. So I actually went out and got my PSW just to get me back into the medical field. And um, yeah, so that's how I basically ended up being a PSW. Uh, I'm actually right now not actively working as a PSW. I'm more so uh, working in the care coordinating piece of it. Um, so I ensure that people actually have those supports within their home setting right now. But I absolutely I loved being a PSW. It was fantastic taking care of people and ensuring that uh, while they were able to live at home, that they had everything that they actually needed to be able to do that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So the whole uh, RPN thing, where where were you going with that? Like you, yep. what was your plan? I actually wanted to be, that's what I wanted to do. But then once I got, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, have both of my kids, then I chose to stay at home with them. And like I said, I was fortunate enough to be able to stay at home and raise my kids. So I chose that rather than working in the hospital setting. Mm. Yeah, my daughter was a, uh came out of school as a nurse as well and was in the hospital setting for a while and then just struggled with that and uh just i think it was a it was a real mental struggle for her but she ended up then uh uh working with a private clinic so very i guess i once we say psw uh personal service worker um or support yeah. work um Tell me a little bit what what is like I say we see we see signs around all the time looking for PSWs you know nowadays there's, there's signs everywhere right. PSWs to, to be hired mm -hmm. but what what is the actual role of a personal support worker from somebody like myself right. that really isn't sure Well to be honest with you once I went through the RPN program um, and what we did as an RPN as in uh, the daily care activities of daily living supporting people to shower, to, you know, um, take care of themselves, get dressed, all that kind of stuff, get, um, get ready for meals. And um, we did do some wound care and some medication navigation and things like that for people. Um, it was basically the exact same thing as what we were doing as an RPN, but um, at least now it is. That's what PSW basically is. The only difference is, is really PSWs can't, sort of go in and see an issue, like say with a wound or anything like that and treat it themselves. Mm -hmm. Each individual case that you go to, you have to be trained to take care of each individual um, situation that you run upon. We can't, they can't administer medications. Um, we can get medications ready, but they can't administer. So that would be the difference with the RPN as well as what we were able to administer medications, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now you're going right into people's homes then or into a senior's facility, if that's where they're staying, that's where you're going in to take care of these people then? Yeah, so their activities of daily living are taken care of, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's like some people, they require more care than others. It just depends on exactly what it looks like for that day. Right. Sorry, I got to let Brian jump in here at some point, <clears throat> but I, I need to ask too. So you're going into a, a senior's home, somebody that needs actual support, Um What's that environment like going into sometimes? I mean, it can't be the, the most pleasant environment, I would think. They're, they're elderly people. Uh, tell me what that's like. I saw that little shake of your head there. What's, yeah. what's that like? I mean, what's it like? <laughs> I was a PSW out in community. I wasn't in a hospital setting because now, mm -hmm. nowadays PSWs are able to work within a hospital setting. Um, uh, I wasn't able to do that. 
So um, I was out in the community and you just never know what kind of situation you're going to end up upon. You don't know if when you walk in to a situation, whether that person um, has dementia or is, hasn't taken their medication that day or the conditions of a home setting or what's going on there um, at any given time. I think it's a lot. It's a high risk situation when you're out in community for sure. Well, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, especially if you don't know what you're going into. Um, you're going in there first off because yeah. you want to support this person, and it's it's who you are. Your nature is to go in and help this person, but you walk in and you're going, holy crap, I don't know how I can help right. you. Um, uh, wow, that's good for you. <laughs> good for anybody that is a PSW. That's, right. that's, a, that's incredible. Talk to, me, uh, talk to me about the emotional attachment that comes with the job. Oh. Because that's a big one. Well, there, I, I think that there's a huge emotional attachment, even um, just not even as a PSW. When you become a care coordinator and you go out to people's homes and, uh, you know, you get to know them on a, on a personal level, the emotional attachment is huge. It's huge. It's a tough one. I had one lady uh, that I took care of for a very long time in Waterloo and... Uh, you know, I got to know everything about her, about her children and where she came from and what it was like, you know, to come over here from Germany. And um, it was a tough one when I lost her. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is me being an RPN and then going into that PSW situation, she, you know, ended up with some cancerous wounds on her legs. And there's nothing that I can do about it until I, you know, sort of report that and get direction on you know, how to deal with it at that time. So it's a tough one. It is absolutely because like I said, you become uh, emotionally attached to them. Yeah, because, you know, uh, you know, you and I uh, have conversations about this all the time. And I think what this really comes down to where we're uh, like sometimes uh, these elderly folks, like maybe they don't have a lot of family around. Maybe they don't have a lot of friends anymore that are either... Uh, at the place where they're at or, or, you know, unfortunately through the whole dementia, Alzheimer's things, mm-hmm. maybe they've forgotten who the hell a lot of these people are. And you become Absolutely. their new family. That, that's got to be a tough one. Like, I mean, yeah. um, you know, you've told me lots of stories, uh, you know, just a, a recent story. We won't go into a lot of details with it. But just a recent story uh, where, you know, uh, one of your clients was, was trying to get a hold of you to get you to, to come out to the place, right? And, and you, uh, just because of staffing situations right now, you couldn't get people uh, to, you know, the people that you direct, uh, you couldn't get the people to, to go out because they were tied up with so many other calls. So you ended up going out. And um, it was just a day yes, that she is. just needed you to be there. Yeah. That's all that was. That was yes, a 100%. conversation uh, that she needed. And for whatever reason, she, you know, uh, call it whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, you know, maybe she knew that uh, uh, the time wasn't too much longer. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, ended up passing away a, a day or two after that. But, uh, you know, uh, so I think that's yeah. a tremendous emotional baggage uh for you guys as personal support workers to to carry so like do you guys get training in this area how to handle this yeah absolutely i think we've become their family because 
A, either their family is busy working um, or taking care of their families or they don't live here. And that's the thing. We become visitors, right? We become the people that go on the daily basis that they see all the time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. They become part of our family as well, right? We share them with our family because we'll talk about our families and our children and things like that. So they, that's the way it, uh, yeah, it's more of a visiting thing for people. They become lonely. Yeah. So, so again, um, <clears throat> excuse me, just, I know you're going through these emotional stages with these people. You're getting to know them. They're getting to know you. And then, you know, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason that their life has ended and, where do you turn to try to cope with that yourself? I mean, you've gotten pretty closely. It's they're like family. So, um, does there support for PSWs uh, to be able to deal with some of these difficulties? I didn't find any myself uh, within a workplace setting. I more so turn to colleagues um, mm-hmm. or friends of mine, or of course, um, I have a very supportive family, so I could turn to them for some support as well. Mm-hmm. You're right. Sorry, I'm sitting here and we're, we're talking about. It. I'm thinking PSWs. I mean, there's, there's what a wonderful thing that you do. But now we got probably people listening going, I don't want to be a PSW. Holy mackerel! <laughs> <laughs> don't take me down that path. But no, it's, it's, yeah. it's a great. It is no, a one, right. It's Absolutely. a wonderful. It's a wonderful they thing that you're it. doing. But again, it's, it takes a strong, strong person. Um, just like we look at our first responders that uh, Brian and I have talked about, and and the emotional things that you go through, and and uh, trying to sleep at night and stuff. And you guys, it's it's no different. I mean, it's you're you're facing the same things. Yeah. You're facing people that are that you've become attached to. Well, even more so than you know first responders, I guess, because it could be just a short situation where you meet somebody, but you're be, you're building a relationship with this person. So, it, yeah, that's um, that's got that's got to be tough, man. Wow. How uh, so? How do you yeah. become a PSW? You can take it at the college level. Um, there is uh, some community programs that offer it. Now, I've been told as of late, um, even some of the long-term care facilities are offering it as well. Uh, I don't know exactly what that looks like within their facilities, but they are offering uh, that education as well. It's probably online, I'm sure, as well. I don't know how much clinical. Amazon probably has online. <laughs> uh, Yeah, but I'm sure the courses are offered online as well. Wow. So now you're in a management position. Um, what's what's that entail? So now you've, yeah. I, I'm sure you right now you're wishing for some more PSWs to come through the system because you're probably lacking bodies right now, I would think. But as a management yeah, position, what are you doing yeah, right now? How's that position look or how's that role? The position that I'm doing right now, it's, it's actually fantastic. I, I love it. It's uh, sort of linking them to the supports that are out there in their community settings um we've noticed of course like rurally it's really tough to get psws because of the distance that people have to travel but we have to remember that uh we still have people that are needing supports on farms and things like that but to to get people especially in those inclement weather people don't want to go out and support those people in those areas so you know they're lacking with psws of course out there but um yeah so i get to link people to all of the support systems that are out there whether it be counseling or transportation needs or meals anything like that and make sure that they're well supported at home and it's all that collaborative care right that we get to do so it's kind of nice to see that we can put those supports in place for people and see people thrive within their home setting and you know that's so important for people to be able to stay at home as long as they possibly can Mm -hmm. absolutely 
Yeah, I think it's you know we we've lived uh, lived it personally in in our own life with our with our grandmother that um, man we we had to literally pull her through the door to get her out the door of that house uh, because they they want to stay right they want to stay in their homes and and rightfully so I I I think I'd probably want to be the same way uh, you want to stay in your home as long as you can and when you're being forced to go somewhere that you either don't want to or you don't understand or whatever other medical condition is going on that gets to be uh that gets to be a tough thing so that that's another thing for you guys uh uh to have to handle and and have to deal with so it's uh it's a big one so is it a rewarding job a psw yeah and you you know a, a lot of it too is um the safety risks at home right mm-hmm. uh yeah it's it's the supervision it's um like, you know, uh, Brian and I, we had our father who had Alzheimer's and dementia there. And it's tough when you've got people that are living in community. My dad was thankfully, thankfully, he had my mom and he had us. Um, and, uh, you know, we still had to, to at, at the end point there, he had to be within a facility setting. But mm-hmm. out there in community, you can only imagine those that don't have family to advocate for their well-being or to make sure that things are safe. Um, so it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a real tough one. Yeah, family's so huge. I mean, my as Brian knows, my mom, she's 88, still lives in her own home, the home that I was born and raised in. Uh, she's very blessed to have my, my older brother living with her now, So it's, which it really helps. But uh, at 88, she's not going anywhere, man. <laughs> this is oh. this is home. I'm not. You're not taking me out of here. I'm staying right here. And yet it's those that... Right. Uh, um, I, like I said, I, I just I got all kinds of visions going on in my head because I can only imagine what some of these households are like where they don't have somebody. If somebody's like I say, late 80s and they don't want to leave, they don't have family close by, I can only imagine what those surroundings and environment are like. It can't be healthy. Um, and they and they do really no. count on you being there. How often would you go see somebody? or um, How often do they see somebody? Or it, it all depends. Well, it depends on the situation. And, um, of course, a lot of their care is covered through the government. So it just depends on what people qualify for too right it depends on how much support they have within the home setting already with family um or friends and then it depends on what they sort of qualify for depending on their needs um there is privatized care that they can hire uh but it's expensive it's costly to hire that care to come into your home Mm. yeah you know what al we uh uh, you know, we we went through this with my dad, where um, he was in a rehab uh, situation for for uh, you know uh, he had had a fall and, and broke his arm and, and the whole bit. But like he was uh, the dementia and Alzheimer's aspect to it, uh, it gets it it gets to be a really scary place because oh. you don't know where they are and they're having a conversation with you just like it's. It's every day, and like the conversations with him near the end of his life were were not real. But we couldn't. We we had to come together as a family, and that is, uh, you know, Allison and my my brother and my mom and I coming down where you know they wanted to they wanted to send him home. The system, yeah, yeah, wanted to send him home, and we were like, we were saying to my mom, like, shit, you can't you can't look after him. No, yeah, and and. You know, we make fun of it now because yeah. I guess that's a not fun of it. It's just we find humor, find in, humor it, in it, yeah, uh, because it was a coping mechanism for us mm-hmm. as a family unit. But like shit, uh, like we had to take the knobs off the stove. 
Wow. Uh, because like he literally puts, you know, my mom had left for a half hour to to get out and just get a a, a life again, and then comes home and like there's stuff uh, on the stove that's burning. So, Allison, you must, uh, you and your staff must have to deal with stuff like this all the time, and and um, it's a scary thing. If you think about even us, Brian, if we hadn't have advocated for dad, like, I don't know where he would be. So what you think about those people that don't have the, that advocacy behind them? I, I don't know what ends up happening with people, you know, yeah. I, just, I have no idea. And that's the thing that you're left with. You're left with, you know, when you go home at night, you go home at night to whatever, but those people you're, you know, that they don't have anything, you know, are, are they going to end up wandering the streets tonight? Because there's nobody there to be able to watch them. Right. right? We, we know that. Right. And we know there's lots of people that are living out there right now that can't make themselves a meal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they can't. They, yeah, like can't make a meal. They can't cook them. Uh, you know, can't clean house. Can't no. do any of that. No. Wow. No, and and they That's can't right. take care and they of can't themselves. Have a simple, they can't have a simple. Yeah, and you know what? That day to day conversation with people that actually want to have a conversation with them, a lot of them don't have it. And as we know conversation it's it's huge in the well-being of somebody exactly and hence our show you know just opening up that conversation yeah and uh you know hopefully somebody's listening and can reach out and say okay we need some help yeah um you know uh, uh because yeah you're my sister and you admit that to a lot of people um, <laughs> um i'm just gonna say um and because of frontline uh, forward and in the clientele that we have there i know that uh you and your job uh now but you did it while you were uh working as a personal support worker out there you work pretty close with waterloo regional police and their community engagement team yep what's that all about um, they are uh, a wonderful group of people that, um, just like it says, it's community engagement. So they advocate for the people in the community um, as well. So they look like police officers. <laughs> they can be police officers. They wear, wear the full uniform and they have the gun and the baton and the, you know, the walkie-talkie and the whole nine yards. And yes, they carry the capability of giving you a ticket <laughs> if they find you somewhere. But they advocate for those people out there in the community. So they become part of a support staff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they go out there. They become friends with these people. They have conversations. They show them that there's somebody to trust and they advocate for the well-being of these people. Wow. Um, it's an amazing, it's amazing support system. Yeah, it's good. It, it really, and, and you know, I've, uh, through yeah. yourself, I've got to know a lot of these officers that you work with and, uh, they really are, they're an outstanding group yeah. of people. And I'm glad that they've, you know, that there is this structure in place within our police system that's working with you guys and, and out there advocating for the support of these people because they need it. And then they're there to support you guys because, um, well, you guys walk into some nasty <laughs> situations. Yeah, I've worked alongside of them in some situations where it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I think, thankfully, they're there, right? They're only a phone call away. And like I said, they work on behalf of us, but they, they definitely work on behalf of the people. Mm-hmm. So, what, uh, so what, do you do, what do you do to take care of yourself, to keep yourself mentally, physically, uh, 
uh, stable, sane, whatever you want to call it, uh, with dealing with the job that you got. Like, uh, you know, people are going to want to hear this as a personal support worker, and and you as the management side organizing all this. Uh, you got to do stuff that that keeps you healthy. So, what do you do? What do I do? Well, you know what? I got myself, and I'm not saying everybody should do this, but I got myself a, a German Shepherd. Mm. He's my best friend, and we spend a heck of a lot of time together. He is a wonderful fella. He relieves a lot of my stress. I'm sure he takes on a lot of my stress, but he um, he's a great fella, and we do a lot of walking. Um, I have recently started line dancing with my mother on <laughs> Thursday nights. She's a line dance instructor, so I go out there and start dancing. Nice. Um, and I keep the communication open. I talk to my, you know... I shouldn't say I talk because there's a lot of times where I tend to be silent, but I um, I talk to you a lot, Brian. You know that. So mm -hmm. I was going to say that when you mentioned the dog, it's one of those things that I thought too with my grandmother. She suffered from dementia for many years and I'd go visit her all the time and, and she'd always remember the dog's name every day. Remember the dog's name. Me? She had no idea. I was either her son, Ken, or I was her son, Ross, but I was never her grandson, Michael. She could never remember that, but she always remembered the dog's name. So I, I think as personal as support workers, do they ever take their dogs with them? Because elderly people love dogs. Can they, or is that part of the job? Yeah, I look at it. I guess, I guess my dog, Nash, is my personal support worker at the end of the day. Can you guys take dogs, uh, like uh, therapy dogs, service dogs, can you take them on the job with you? Uh, I No, I have never seen dogs... Uh, with people, I've seen like dogs visiting in long-term care facilities mm -hmm. and things like that. They have to go through quite a rigorous um, um, uh, um, sort of procedure to get uh, to be able to do something like that. But no, we've never been told that we can take dogs. It's a great idea, I think, anyway, as long as people aren't afraid of them. But yeah, no, we've never taken dogs. Well, we just put it out there to the public. So we want them to be able to take dogs. <laughs> there, there you go. So, so on that, though, like I say, now you're in a management position and you're uh, loving what you're doing now, which is, which is great. You're being able to uh, get these people what they need, whether it's uh, you know, a support worker to come in or uh, meals delivered or a pickup and a ride or whatever. Where do you see what's, as our podcast is called, what's yep. next? What is Al what's next for Allison? Ooh, well, um, <laughs> career-wise, uh, I absolutely love what I'm doing, so I definitely wouldn't change what I'm doing. Um, but what's next for me? I'm doing a lot of soul searching right now. Nice. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of soul searching. I'm trying to do a lot of. I decided I stopped doing a lot of self care for a while, so I'm trying to do some self care. Oh, good for you. Yeah. And you, and Power you know, of positive thinking. There, you, there go. you go. Perfect. Yeah. This sounds like almost like podcast number two. It does. <laughs> it sounds does. like we need to have another <laughs> podcast. I think we just opened up a there door. There you go. <laughs> can we do podcast number two? We sure can. Oh, yeah. Awesome. We'll have to come back again then. Okay. Well, we're going to uh, wrap this one up. Again, thank you for being on the show, for sharing. And uh, that's that, okay. the whole thing. What's next is maybe you're going to implement a whole dog program into this, uh, this, uh, into the unit yeah, up there. Yeah, that'd be great. There you go. Awesome. awesome. Okay. Th thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Great to be with you again. Thank you. Allison, thanks for being with us tonight. That was awesome. And we'll, uh, we'll, thank you. we'll start this yeah. again soon.
Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care, everybody. Peace. We're out of here. <laughs>